0: Good morning. If you asked me the last thing that I ever would have expected to hear in chapel, uh, it will be mention of the Jersey Shore. <clears throat> and I'd just like to clarify something too, because I know sometimes there's a little cultural divide between the states and Canada, but everyone on the <coughs> Jersey Shore <clears throat> is actually from New York, just so you know. There's no one on there from Jersey. We just happened to be at the shore. Uh, This morning, I'm going to tell you a story, and I'll get right into it because I know that this is before lunch, and um, I know that people's minds will be wandering as it gets closer to the lunchtime. So uh, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask me about either my ministry, Second Adam, the storytelling ministry, or about the ministry of CJF, uh, you could talk to me after chapel. I have brochures that give... A little bit of information about the ministry, what we do, where we are, how you can contact us. And I will be happy to answer all of your questions as long as it's nothing to do with uh, geometry or algebra. Um, When I was in my high school, I set a record. You know, in a lot of schools, they have the trophy case when you come in the high school entrance. I have a trophy in there. Uh, I had Algebra 101 in my freshman, sophomore, and junior year and that feat has still not been equaled, and it's over 25 years that that trophy is still there, so don't ask me any of those questions. I just always wrote four to every... (laughs) And I would advise you, if you're taking either geometry or algebra, I don't think the answer is four. I've been thinking about it for decades, and I think it's six. So (laughs) you could try that and see what happens. The story I'm going to tell you this morning is a story of a leper who comes to Jesus and is healed by him. In the time of Jesus, the rabbis had three what they called messianic miracles. Three things that the Messiah would do in order to prove who he was. One of them was that he would be able to heal a man born blind. And if you remember, in the Gospel of John chapter 9... Jesus heals a man born blind, and once he does, the controversy does, is not about whether he actually healed him or not. The controversy becomes was he born blind? Because if he was, that meant that this was a sign of the Messiah. Second sign of the Messiah was that he would be able to cast a demon out of someone who could not speak. The rabbis believe that in order to cast a demon out of a person, you had to have the demon give a name. And then you would cast the demon out by that name. And since a person that could not speak was not able to name a demon, they believed that only the Messiah would have the ability to cast a demon out of someone like that. And when you read the Gospels, you see one, two, several instances where Jesus will cast a demon out of someone who could not speak. And the third sign of the Messiah was that he would be able to cleanse a leper. This was something that was believed to be impossible. And you remember the story of the cleansing of the leper. At the end, Jesus said to him, go show yourself to the priests and speak to no one on the way. Go and offer the, the sacrifices that Moses said as a testimony to them. Why did he not want him to speak to anyone? Because it would have given the priest an opportunity to come up with an alternate story about how he got healed. But it was a sign of the Messiah. So this morning I'm going to tell you the story of that man. It's called Rags to Riches. A leper meets his Messiah. Unclean. Unclean. That's the way I had to introduce myself for most of my life. According to the law. The law according to Moses. As stated in the book of Leviticus. You all No, Leviticus, that's the book where everyone stops reading as they work their way through the scriptures. Well, it was a stopping point for me as well, not for my reading, but for my life. I know the whole section that speaks about the various kinds of skin diseases, but the part that always got me was this. The person with the infectious skin disease must wear torn clothing. They shall have their hair unkempt and cover the lower part of their face, crying out, Unclean! And as long as they have the disease, they must live alone. They must live outside of the camp. Alone. How could I ever describe to you that feeling of being alone? The day when the priest declared me unclean. It wasn't just a death sentence. But it was a slow, disfiguring death sentence. And the whole time I waited for my sentence to be completed, I was alone. Most of my life was spent alone. Not just from people, but from God as well. It wasn't so much that I had abandoned God, but it was more like God had abandoned me. I searched the scriptures, but to tell you the truth, there was no comfort for me there. It seemed that everyone that had my disease, everyone that had leprosy, was given it as a punishment by God. You look at the very beginning of our scriptures in the section that we call the Torah. It's here that we learn about Miriam, the sister of Moses, and her brother Aaron. Now it seems that Miriam and Aaron did not like the choice that Moses made for his second wife. And they began to speak against him. And Moses wrote... And the Lord heard this, and he came to speak with them. Come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. And Moses, Miriam, and Aaron came out of the tent. And when they did, God said to them, No one shall speak against my servant Moses. And when he said that, the cloud that covered the tent of meeting lifted, and when it did... There stood Miriam, leprous, as white as snow. Now when Aaron saw that, he panicked. And he turned to his brother and said, Oh, my brother Moses, please, you must have mercy and heal our sister. And Moses himself was surprised by the turn of events. And he cries out into the heavens, My Lord and my God, hear me. Have mercy and cleanse my sister. And God did. But not before Miriam had to spend seven days outside of the camp with her leprosy. And that was a good ending. Miriam was healed. But it was Moses himself, the friend of God, who had asked for her healing. There was no Moses around to ask for me. And I guess the bottom line of the whole story is that God could have chosen any way he wanted to punish Miriam but he chose to punish her with the same disease that I have. Now, I know that one story doesn't prove a point. But if you go to the next section of our scriptures, the one that we call the prophets, it's in here that you will learn about Naaman. Now, Naaman was a captain in the Syrian army, and like me, he also had leprosy. But he heard there was a man in Israel, a prophet called Elisha who had the ability to cleanse him from his leprosy. Naaman went to see Elisha, and when he did, Elisha told him he needed to dip himself seven times in the Jordan River, and if he did, he would be made clean. Now at first, Naaman, he really didn't think that was such a great idea. But after some soul-searching, decided to do what Elisha had asked. And he went and dipped himself in the Jordan River. And when he came up the seventh time, he had the skin of a newborn baby. And he was so grateful to Elisha that he wanted to give him some money. But Elisha refused to accept anything and sent Naaman on his way. Now, Elisha had a servant, a man called Gehazi. And Gehazi had watched all this happen, and he thought to himself... My master was much too easy on this Naaman fellow. Should have taken something from him. So Gehazi decides to chase after Naaman, and when he caught up with him, told him that Elisha had changed his mind and decided he would like something after all. Naaman happily gives the money to Gehazi, and he took it and hid it and returned home. Now the next day, when Elisha saw Gehazi, he said to him, So Gehazi, my friend, where have you been? Nowhere, master. I just went out for a while. And Elisha said to him, do you think that I do not know where you have been and what you have done? But you lied to Naaman and you took money from him. And because you have done that, the leprosy of Naaman will cling to you and your descendants forever. And Gehazi left the presence of Elisha leprous, as white as snow. Sound familiar? (laughs) And one more, just to round out all of our scriptures. The last section that we call the writings. It's here that we learn about King Uzziah. Now, Uzziah was a great and powerful king, and he was quite proud of himself. But it was his pride that led to his downfall. One day, Uzziah decided to enter into the temple of God to burn incense at the altar of incense. This was a privilege reserved only for the priests of Israel. And as Uzziah came into the temple, he was confronted by Azariah along with 50 other priests. And Azariah said to him, Oh, great King Uzziah, what are you doing for you to dare to burn incense at the altar of incense? This is a privilege reserved only for the priests of Israel, those who have descended from Aaron. What you are doing is not pleasing to the Lord, and you must leave immediately. Well, Uzziah... He was not about to be told what he could and could not do by some priest. So he starts to let Azariah know just who was the boss in Judah. And in the middle of his tirade, leprosy broke out on his forehead. And when Azariah and all the other priests saw that, they rushed Uzziah out of the temple. And the writer of Chronicles says, For the rest of his days, Uzziah was a leper. He could never again enter the temple of God and had to live in a house by himself. Do you see? Do you see how the scriptures is not a place of encouragement for me? Everyone from servants to kings was punished by leprosy. And there were no healings, really. I mean... I know I told you about Miriam, but it was God himself who gave her the leprosy and took it away. I don't know if you could even count that. And Naaman, not even from Israel. Now, I wasn't the only one that was reading these scriptures. Our rabbis were reading them as well. Now, most of our rabbis, they like to link disease to some kind of moral cause. They believed whoever was suffering must have been notoriously wicked. That's what they thought anyway. Many of the rabbis even called my disease leprosy, the stroke of God. I really couldn't blame the rabbis as they wrestled with how to treat us after what the scripture said. But if leprosy was the mark of a sinner, there were plenty of people besides me who should have had leprosy. But despite all of these things, there were many times that I tried to draw close to God. But every time I did, I was reminded of who I was and my uncleanness. It wasn't that I couldn't come and worship with everyone, but the rabbis had special rules for lepers. I had to come to the service before anyone else arrived. And I was forbidden to leave until the last worshiper had gone. We even had a special place to worship. It was a chamber about six feet wide with a wall ten feet high to separate us from all the other worshipers. It was called the mechitza. And being inside the mechitza, that was one of the few times in my life I actually had walls around me. It was forbidden for a leper to enter into the temple or Jerusalem or any walled place for that matter. If I was caught in any of those places, it cost me 40 lashes. They actually only gave you 39, just in case they lost count somewhere along the way, so you always had a little something to look forward to. And just being outside wasn't even enough. Lepers also had distance requirements. I was not allowed to come within six feet of a person who was clean. And if the wind was blowing from a leper towards a clean person, the distance was 150 feet. And just to be sure that I had no contact with any other people, it was forbidden to greet a leper, even in a public place. That was just the beginning of the rules they had for our behavior. Lepers even had their own dress code. We were allowed to wear anything we wanted, as long as it was torn. We were required to look like mourners. But no one treated us like mourners. We were treated more like the deceased. As a matter of fact, that's what Josephus, the famous historian, wrote about. He wrote, lepers were treated like dead men. And in one of the best-known teachings of the day, the rabbis taught that there were four categories of people who were as good as dead, Lepers being one of them. And as far as hope the rabbis gave us, their summary of us wasn't too encouraging either. The rabbis taught that to be able to cleanse a leper was as difficult as raising a man from the dead. The other side of this rabbinic coin was this teaching. And he, the leper, shall cry out, Unclean! Wherever he goes so that the public, upon hearing his grief, may feel sympathy for him and pray for him. Now, I knew this teaching as well as all the others, but to be honest with you, I could never really feel the love, if you know what I'm saying. And Moses himself seemed to agree with all the prevailing opinions. In his law, he listed 61 ways in which a person could become defiled by coming in contact with another person. And contact with a leper, second only to contact with a dead body. Having all these rabbinic rules against us, not to mention the seeming condemnation of the scriptures, what hope did we have? As a matter of fact, people started to think it was so impossible for a leper to be cleansed that only the Messiah would have the ability to do it. The other hope they had for us was this. In the world to come, there will be no such thing as leprosy. Not really much to hang on to, huh? (laughs) Though it seemed crazy to everyone I knew. I always believed there had to be some kind of cure for my disease. I mean, look at the law of Moses itself. In his law, Moses gives detailed instructions for the priests about what they needed to do in order to declare a leper clean. Not that I think you could have found a priest in the whole land of Israel who would know what to do if a leper was cleansed. I think they'd have to run out and get a copy of uh, Cliffowitz's notes on leper cleansings. But if it was in his law, wouldn't that at least mean there was a chance to be healed? I know it was over 700 years since the last leper was healed, but it was in his law. Moses really didn't write that much You would think in such a small section, he would only put in things that were possible, and it was in his writings. And besides that, there were so many things in our own traditions that gave me hope. One of them was the very name of the Messiah himself. Now, there was a school of thought in Israel at the time who believed that the prophet Isaiah gave us a clue as to the name and character of the coming Messiah. In the 53rd chapter of his book, the prophet Isaiah, writing about the Messiah, wrote this. Surely he will carry our infirmities and bear our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. Now, these rabbis believed that verse could be translated in the manner of their discussion, and, and this is the discussion. The Messiah, what is his name? It has been said that he is called the leper because it is written, surely he has taken up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him a leper, smitten by God, and afflicted by him. Now remember I told you earlier that many rabbis called my disease leprosy. The stroke of God. They believed you could change the word stricken. And replace it with leprosy. Now I'm no Bible scholar. I couldn't tell you if that's true or not. I don't know. But I can tell you this if you spent as much time alone as I did, you would think about it. And to think that when the Messiah came, he would know what my life was like. He would know what it was like to be set apart from everyone else. And that's really not a crazy thought. In the same chapter of Isaiah, the 53rd, still talking about the Messiah, Isaiah wrote this. He was despised and rejected by men. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Like one from whom men hide their faces. How well that described my life. It wasn't really a life, anyway, it was more like an existence. There were so many days that I wondered whether it was better to be dead than alive. It was almost cruel to have any hope. And yet, there were always these stories going on throughout the land of Israel about some leper that had been cleansed. They always seemed to happen in these far-off villages that no one had ever heard to or hardly ever been there. Now, when I was a young man, I traveled all over the land of Israel just to see if there was any truth to these stories. But there never was. And now that I'm older I don't bother to go anymore. What difference would it make? I'm almost too old to start a family. To tell you the truth I don't even know if I could get a date anymore. (laughs) But I'll tell you one thing I would like. Just One time in my life, one time, I would like to be able to walk down the street without having to shout out that I'm so much less than everyone around me. Just one time. And so, it came to happen on a certain day that I was sitting in one of my favorite places. It was a small spot alongside the road. And it faced this tiny village. Now this place was just deep enough in the shadows so that with a rag partially covering my face, no one seemed to notice me. I would sit there for hours just watching the people of that village, getting their water and buying and selling in the marketplace, greeting one another. All the things that they took for granted, those were the dreams of my life. And sometimes, as I sat there, just for a minute, and I felt normal. Now, this day, as I sat there, I saw a small group of people walking towards the village. And as they started to come closer, the crowd started to grow bigger with them, and people started to come out of the village. And I could hear little pieces of their conversation. Hey, I think that that's the man that they call Jesus. You know what? You were absolutely right. Let me tell you what I heard. I heard that he teaches in a very unorthodox manner. Well, I've heard about him too. There are some people that say he can work wonders. Wonders. Jesus, I knew about him. There were many people who called him the miracle worker of Capernaum. It was said that one night, all the people who were sick from that town were brought before him, and he healed every one of them. And it was also said that that night, he cast out many demons. And as the demons came out from people, they were heard to cry out, You are the Messiah, the Son of God! the Messiah. This is the one who could heal me. I knew that he had the ability, but I didn't know if he would be willing. I had to make a decision as I sat by the side of the road for me to dare to approach him. It meant to break all the rules of the rabbis, not to mention the teaching of Scripture. But I knew I had to take a chance As quickly as I could, before anyone could stop me, I ran from my place on the side of the road, and I ran straight towards him. When the people of the town saw me, they all started to point at me, and everyone was shouting, unclean, unclean! And everyone jumped out of the way, because no one wanted to be touched by a leper. And when they moved out of the way, they made a clear path for me, right to Jesus. I ran up to him, and I threw myself in the dirt at his feet. It took me a minute or two to find my voice. And when I did, I spoke to him with the voice of a leper. Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. when the people of the town heard what I asked, they all fell silent. It seemed to me as if all of creation was silent. The only sound I could hear was the pounding of my heart in my chest. And as I lay in the dirt, I wondered, would this rabbi, like so many others I had met, send me away? And then, he did something that I never expected. But he reached down. And he touched me. Me. The leper. The unclean one. The one that people were forbidden to touch. I couldn't remember the last time I felt the touch of another person. And he said to me, I am willing to be cleansed. I lifted my head just an inch or two out of the dirt and I looked at the skin of my hands. Years of disease had fallen away in an instant. It touched my face and it was soft and smooth. I heard someone in the crowd gasp and everyone started to shout, Messiah, Messiah! And they were praising God and making so much noise that... I didn't realize that he was still speaking to me. And he said to me, I want you to go into Jerusalem and find a priest and when you get there, you offer the sacrifices just as Moses has commanded. Just as Moses has commanded. I always knew those words were there for a reason. And I got up out of the dirt and I started to head towards Jerusalem to find a priest. And on my way there, I had so many things to think about. You see, in the world that I lived in, the religious people considered my leprosy a curse, the mark of a sinner. And I'll be the first to tell you, I am a sinner. But to tell you that my leprosy is a curse... That's only to tell you a part of the story. My leprosy turned out to be a blessing, a great blessing for me, because it caused me to come and meet my Messiah. And as I went down that road to Jerusalem, it felt like my feet weren't even touching the ground. And I realized something that day, something that I want to tell you, something I want to tell the whole world. I realized that day, that there's hope for people that are hopeless and it's found in Jesus, the Messiah of Israel I promised myself that day that I would tell everyone what happened to me and I'm going to tell you something here today that you might think is strange maybe it might even sound cruel to you I don't know you I don't know what problems you have I don't know what difficulties you're facing but wherever they are I really wish that you would find them to be hopeless because I have great news for you. There's hope for the hopeless and it's found in Jesus, the Messiah. Shalom.